We are rolling now on uh, I Don't Hate Ghosts, a crossover episode between I Don't Hate This and Noisy Ghost. The subject is David Bowie. No, no. It's, it's David, David Bowie. 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 Like, like, wowie. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad we took the time out of our day. <laughs> <coughs> oh, oh, oh. Okay, so thank you for joining us uh, today. Uh, as was maybe mentioned in our opening bit. Oh shit! Okay, this is like all recording room garbage. Um, welcome to I Don't Hate Ghosts, a uh, joint venture between Noisy Ghost, I Don't Hate This, and the Chub Group. I'm joined today by. Um, Brian Eno era David Bowie, Eleanor Russell. Woohoo! Hi! Halloween Jack era David Bowie, Andre Kello. Hey, everybody. Um, and <laughs> this one video with the Rolling Stones. What's it called? The Streets Have No. <laughs> oh, good lord. It's Mick Jagger and right. David Bowie. Dancing in the Streets. Dancing in the Streets era, Amy Wenzel. Hello. And uh, Space Oddity era, David Bowie, Nina Lidoff. Ground control to Major Tom. Six, seven, oh, wow. Three. <laughs> 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 seven, oh, eight, seven, I didn't know evil. you were doing the whole song. I just... She wasn't doing a countdown. She, that was That's the combination that's to her luggage. Starts, <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I'm industrial goth rock 1997 David Bowie, Eric Wenzel. Nice. Was that uh, I'm Afraid of Americans? Mm. Oh. Yeah. Um, yes, that's... Uh, little Wonder, then. Little Wonder. Exactly. Um, what else was on that album? Earthlings <laughs> on fire! <laughs> Dead ringer. He's here, here in the studio just now. Hey, everybody. That, that's Eric Wenzel. <laughs> No, I'm David, David Bowie, Bowie, you know, like, wowie. Okay, so we went to see the uh, David Bowie Is show at the MCA in Chicago. Which stands for Museum of Contemporary Art. And Chicago's in Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> which is in the United States of America. On the planet Earth, which is blue. <laughs> and There's nothing else This is all references. This is the references episode. Um, well, the so whole show was, uh, hey, don't you guys remember... Remember, remember when David Bowie was awesome, and remember? I was like, "Nope, I wasn't alive." <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like the show, so we're just going to talk about the show, yeah. This Which is, is why I've, I've asked you all here today. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> I'll I'll just say we were talking about if we got high before a podcast, they'd just be giggling. But apparently, <laughs> even sober, we, we yeah. giggle plenty. <laughs> David Bowie's a funny topic. You can't yes. not giggle about it. That's Except my... they managed during the show to squeeze every drop of humor that he had throughout his decades of creating all kinds of great mm -hmm. stuff. All the laughter is gone. Except yes. for a few select videos. I feel like they tried to talk about his theatrical career. And that... Which was a joke. Which... <laughs> no, oh, sorry. Or his painting. <laughs> whatever well, whatever they had joke. interviews... I like his yeah. paintings. Whenever they have interviews with him, he's always very funny. Mm -hmm. And the best yeah. part of it were just like videos that you could see on YouTube, you know? Yeah. Which is sort of a drag, I thought. 
this is an issue in general with uh, shows that are attempting to, uh, you know, like show off older work is that sometimes the museum is just not the best way to get the thing across. Mm-hmm. And Nina said I, something about that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought that this would have been a great documentary. I wish that I could have watched all the clips and seen videos of the performances and seen clips from the movies. Well, having had VH1 before, I can tell you that that experience is it's nice, but it's not worth $25. Uh, well, we wouldn't well maybe it'd be like directed by like a really good director. Like right, it wouldn't Nicholas be just Rogue. like a VH1 yeah. special. It would be like, yeah, his the David Bowie archives like this was. Yeah. I just don't have a feeling like I needed to see the costumes in person, which I feel like is a lot of the reason why you'd have an exhibition for this kind of a show mm-hmm. would be so you could see the ephemera that, that he wrote with his own hands and see the costumes that he wore in those famous things on stage. Mm-hmm. Did you, I mean, I guess, I guess it matters more... For me, because I love celebrity culture, like I love that, like, oh, this is the actual handwriting of, of David Bowie and this was the actual outfit he wore. Like that stuff is actually cool to me. And but at the same time, it felt a little bit like the Alexander McQueen exhibit <coughs> at MoMA, where it was just sort of it like the, the Met. Met or the Met. Sorry. Where it was like, look at all the fancy shit he made. Mm-hmm. Look at all the fanciness. Look at the fanciness and like not a whole lot of art to the organization of it mm-hmm. there was a lot of alexander mcqueen's in this show there were and they were beautiful they to look were at. really good but does don't you do that kind of a thing because you don't have the guy right like you do <laughs> that sort of thing when somebody mm-hmm. dies because well we couldn't possibly get this guy because he's dead so what we can do is show you the clothes that he wore and the letters that he wrote and all of the you know posters and objects and everything but He's so alive. Yeah, it did yeah, seem a I, little morbid. I, yeah. I, that's the last thing I wrote down. Mm. I said, all oh, this would be so much more poignant if David Bowie was dead. <laughs> David Bowie is dead. The last great not work yet. of He's art would be You guys David talked Bowie's about death. this on uh, the other podcast about uh, how Sigmar Polker. 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 About how he should have... They should have made more explicit exactly the the narrative of the his progression life. through his life and then to his death. Yeah, for sure. Well, David Bowie's not dead, but that's why it seems weird to have a f- sort of final feeling le- retrospective. He has a new album out that they were advertising at the end of the thing, and they were they selling kind of it that album it in, the, in, the in the middle of the thing, which oh, I thought yeah. was weird. Oh too. yeah, well you're that right. was the, that was what what uh, exhibition flow wise. I was really sort of confused because yeah. it wasn't exactly in order and then yeah. they, like you walked into the room about him being in Berlin and like moving to get away from LA and like get away from cocaine and that and like they talked you know like he because there's this, no cocaine in Berlin there's not well it, it, there's not it was all heroin oh, um, okay. <laughs> uh, but that that was out of order so you go in the room where he's like oh uh, he left LA to you know to get clean and like reassess his values and stuff and then the next room, they're like, oh, this was the thin white Duke Coke phase. So yeah. it's like literally out yeah. of order. So I was getting confused well, by that. I, well, I, I'm sensitive to that. I, I am or sympathetic. I mean, to that. I like that there was they didn't feel ob- obliged. Well, actually, they they really ended up doing this where they were just told the story, the biography of David Bowie. Mm-hmm. But I think it would have been way better if they had actually played up that sort of like out of order th- aspect of it and been like, here's like a collage of who David mm-hmm. Bowie was. And these are the moments mm-hmm. that constitute his thing or who mm-hmm. he is. God. All right. Pete. But he was though. Well, I the, mean, he's yeah. not, he's the, not the space story anymore. The story that they're telling in the show isn't the life birth 
it's not the the life and death of David Bowie. It's the the birth, the life, and the death of David Bowie's artistic integrity. No, I would say it was <laughs> the the birth and life and death of each of the sort of alter egos or phases of his career. But as they point out at the beginning of the show, David Bowie himself is one of these characters, and he's the one who's going out and finding these other characters to portray mm-hmm. and taking on all these art projects. And so when we see him starting to decay toward the end, where the last 15 or 20 years of his career is in one room because none of it's any good. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit rough. I don't I don't. I mean, think I agree with you, but it's, it's rough to watch that, to mm-hmm. to start out with. Ziggy Stardust and all that. Amy's making a face. What are you thinking? Because I'm surprised at everybody's reaction. I really liked it. All right. We'll talk <laughs> about it. Well, I mean, first off, it, it seemed like it was it was an interesting exhibit to me. But then at the end, I was thinking, wow, it's kind of weird that this is in a art museum. Like, it mm-hmm. could have been at just, like, I don't know field museum or whatever Mm -hmm. it felt like it could have been in an airport (laughs) (laughs) well it's definitely an exhibition station to station maybe a train station um well i thought of that i mean that's why one of the reasons why i wanted you to to be one of our special ghosts is um hateful ghosts yeah Yeah. you guys are all like because before i realized that there was going to be reference to elvis i was Mm -hmm. thinking about oh hey this reminds me of when i went to graceland and look at all Mm -hmm. and again i mean elvis is dead but (laughs) he's um, more alive than david bowie (laughs) but i was thinking oh these are all like the artifacts and Mm -hmm. it reminded me of going there well, I also thought of like when we saw John Lennon at the, exactly. the Rock and Roll Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, like this could have been at the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame maybe. But Uh-oh, I Oh, okay. Sorry. I was wondering though, <coughs> what do you guys think the relationship is or what was the point of view of the exhibit for how they organized the, both the visual and sonic and like Mm. more like meat space visceral performative aspects of the performance like what do you think was um, ultimately well, I highlighted did, i didn't use the headphones i didn't listen to the sound oh that's why you went through so quickly oh. yeah i went quicker through that thing than any of you guys uh, i was shocked that you guys were able to spend an hour and a half in that exhibit when i couldn't barely stand to spend 20 minutes in it that's because you weren't listening to the headphones <laughs> but <laughs> the what headphones the... were the exhibit in I... my mind i didn't read any of the didactic materials or wall text pretty mm-hmm. much well, i didn't read the wall text either i was uh, looking at the things I think I spent like 20 minutes just rocking out to Starman, like that video. I was just like, yeah, this is fun. Like, I like this part so much. Yeah, Yeah, I think I listened to that song twice. It was, yeah. Um, You could listen. I mean, I actually thought that the first room was the weakest in terms of the sound because it was like quotes from him. And I didn't, I, you have to learn how to use the headphones effectively because you actually didn't have to listen to the duration of each recording. You could pick your own pace. It would just sort of fade mm-hmm. out and fade in. And a lot of the other ones were videos. And so the audio of the video would start when you would walk up to the video. And it felt like magic. It felt like mm-hmm. the exhibition yeah. was coming alive just mm-hmm. for you because you would walk in and it was like, oh, it started playing the music right when I started watching the video, but which is were... not actually how it was working. That sounds but... like a piece of really sophisticated and interesting sound art that has nothing to do with who David Bowie is or the work that he ever did. Uh, that's well, it's exhibition it's design. It's exhibition design. Right, but what does that have to do with David Bowie? It's an exhibition about David Bowie. Yeah, it, it felt like... But it's, the, it's a new work of art. Right. So, so the people who've created that are creating the work of art, which is at the center of the piece. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's well, what an exhibition what... is. It's curated by somebody, and you could say, is the is the exhibition the curation, or is the exhibition the work in the exhibition? And the truth is it's this combination of both. It seems like that putting it in a museum in this way, the idea is to create a thing that people can consume that isn't David Bowie. That is instead... Mm. Hmm. Like, because David Bowie's a musician and a stage performer, and, you know, what the show right. didn't have was live performance. But it did have, well, it didn't have live performance, but it had a lot of recordings of music that you didn't listen to. So I don't know how That's... you can make that judgment. I could hear what music was playing because there were, you know, a hundred people around me wearing headphones that were playing the music really loud. So I could tell what song was being played at well, any yeah. given time. It was a but bad the songs, sound design part. And but I... the songs were very immersive, and I felt mm-hmm. almost like you have this solitary experience of walking around in this in this kind of immersive world and i can understand that if you were not sort of focused and immersed in that way that it wouldn't have the same impact and it would seem probably pretty superficial but it definitely whole... seemed incredibly superficial because you didn't listen to the headphones no, it was like it a felt show. superficial to me too i found though. it i found i found it was hard to pay attention hmm. for me yeah. To have music or him talking or people talking while I was trying to read something that said like, yeah, I couldn't read. Yeah, funny. I had a lot of trouble reading and um, listening at the same time. So yeah. that's when I pretty much abandoned the reading. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there was some of that issue was just an issue with gaps in the technology where sometimes it worked, like, yeah. like and sometimes it didn't. So I ended up hearing yeah. some of the same quotes from David Bowie over and over again. I guess because I was on the other side of a wall that somehow yeah, that still close. had the same. Yeah, they yeah. could yeah. receive it through the wall. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like the technology needs to catch up to the intent, the curatorial mm-hmm. intent, in order for it to mm-hmm. really be a successful show. But I was surprised. I thought it was going to work a lot glitchier than it did. It right. actually mm-hmm. did yeah. work pretty much like how they described. Like the part so where we you should, were standing. We should explain. Yeah. Thanks to the fine people at Sennheiser. Sennheiser, whose, <laughs> whose microphones we're speaking into now. Well, no, I'm, oh, I'm speaking into a Sennheiser yeah. mic. That's why I sound so good. Um, <laughs> you're speaking into an MXL mic, which is why you sound like shit. Uh, what? And I said, Ang. I was going to ask Amy, yeah. what other elements seem successful to you about the show? You had your headphones in, right? Uh, yeah, and I guess that's why I was in there the longest. I had my headphones on and I read a lot of it, which I don't normally do. Maybe because I was thinking about how I had to have something to say later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because usually uh, you go really fast. I know. For, for shows but that we go to. I guess part of what I enjoyed is realizing how he seems to be an intelligent guy who was thinking about, actually thinking about his music as opposed mm-hmm. to a lot of the music I come across now and read articles about and people don't even necessarily know how to write down music and he taught himself how to do that and learned how to play the musical instruments and yeah I thought he was really intelligent too but then there was like discrepancies in the way they were conveying his intelligence I felt Mm. because there's this one quote that I was so taken aback by it's toward the end where they said um it was a quote from David Bowie saying in the late 70s the music is the medium and I am the message. And it was like, ta- he was yeah. like talking oh. about his inspiration with McLuhan. And I was like, I don't think that's true at all because I think that you spend a lot of time writing music and I'm reading the lyrics that you hand wrote. Mm-hmm. And it seems that the music is also the message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I don't buy this at all. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a strange thing to put at towards the end of the exhibit. There's yeah. a couple of things where he was saying like, oh, I wish I was a novelist or a poet and it just seemed like music was the right vehicle to 
convey that. And I was like, I don't think that's true either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think either. that is almost dismissive of the songs being good. Songs. Yeah, because that only talks about the lyrics, right? That doesn't talk about the music part, which is why usually people excellent. like him a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, but at the same time, good. even though he's saying those things where you're like, I disagree with you, it's never like, oh, you're saying that because you're dumb. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that's why I was right, right. following up with me. Well, and then thinking about how a lot of stuff in the exhibit now just seems, doesn't seem that innovative or excited, maybe. And it made me think about how, well, that's because he's the first one. Well, maybe not the first one. Yeah. but Well, mm. part of it is that he was, uh, you know, incredibly influential. But part of it right. also is that he has made an enormous industry out of selling his back catalog since the 80s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has been touring on his legacy since before any of us were born. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's been working really hard to create that exact effect where you walk into a room full of beautiful Japanese kimonos and, you know, bizarre uh, props and, you know, crazy posters. And you say, none of this has any guttural emotional impact on me because it's been pushed so deep into my brain over the past 20 or 30 years that (laughs) there's no way I could ever have the experience of the thing as as opposed to the experience of my experience of the thing as a child. I think that might be true for me because of how dated the things look to me now. And I, I mean, I was thinking it's like almost impossible for me to visualize David Bowie as being from the 70s because I associate him so much with the 80s because everyone in the 80s then copied that kind of yeah. glam rock, right. makeup, uh, sort of spiked out hairstyle mullet thing that I think, you know, it's it's the same experience I had when I saw 16 Candles. <laughs> The whole point of, um, or not 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink. In Pretty in Pink, she's supposed to be like the wackadoo of the school who wears crazy clothes because she can't afford to buy preppy clothes and all the preppy kids make fun of her. But you almost don't understand it because after that movie came out, that style, that kind of like crazy style, that was what was so popular. So I was like, wait, isn't she the cool one, it just completely was so out of context with me because of everything that came afterwards. And I think that reaction is something that the exhibitors anticipated, which is why the exhibit unfolds in such a way that isn't necessarily uh, historical, historically accurate, like time wise. Like it's, you know, you'll see a room from the 80s and the next door to it will be like Mm -hmm. we were talking about earlier or something in the 60s. And I think that was that was a smart move on their part. Well, I think I think for me, when you're stumbling upon these different songs that you love. Um, I mean, that's the whole problem with doing a show like this because that, that's the most important part is the music. Like, it just made me want to listen to David Bowie songs. I yeah. know. More than, Definitely. like, it's cool to see the the suits and everything, but I mean, and it, and it always the lyrics, that's such a weird fetish thing. Like, it, you know, His like lyrics are really good, though. Right, but I mean, to see the sheet, it was the same thing in the John Lennon show. Or like when they produced all the, you know, the facsimile of Kurt Cobain's notebooks. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, on the one hand, there's this like, oh, that's the original manuscript. But it's that's not why we like those songs. Yeah, but there's text is a fetish, fetish object. There's this desire to encapsulate or put in physical, tangible form, which the closest you get to that is a book. So that's why you get the Kurt Cobain diaries. That's why you get, uh, the, you know, these well, Right, but to me, that's like the whole show was an attempt to turn uh, counterculture and 
you know, queer sexuality and uh, foreign theater and cabaret and all the things that David Bowie took and turned into this object, you know, and, and present it again to you mm-hmm. when the thing that was so exciting and, uh, you know, uh, fun and uh, really, like, freeing about the original work was that it was an entryway into an entire culture and world that presented an, an alternative to, uh, you know, mainstream uh, American or British lifestyles. You know, it mm-hmm. was like he was a guy who grew up in the suburbs in uh, Brixton, right? Yeah. Well, Brixton's in London. They said they moved to a suburb of London. All right. So he moved. So he grew up in the suburbs and he, he went out of his way to turn himself into this uh, bizarre weirdo who wears makeup and dresses and, you know, and he he's constantly trying to not live a normal human life so that he can be deliberate in his decision making and have some kind of a spiritual reality. But the, the what we get, we don't get that spiritual reality. We don't get that freedom. We don't get that creativity. What we get is the enormous uh, gift shop at the end where you right. can buy a, a mug that has his face on it. Well, yeah, I mean, like, hmm. yeah. I think what David Bowie was selling artistically when he was, you know, at his uh, pinnacle is he's selling a kind of consciousness or a way of looking at the world that was sort of liberating and very punk in that way, very proto-punk. And I think what you're seeing, I agree with Andre, like what you're seeing at the end is that, look, like, what if we, what if we take all that experiential aspect of his work down and just pare it down to objects, but which is like a totally fine thing to do. I think it's totally fine to think about how an artist's influence uh, can be uh, emblemized in, in artistic objects that they use in their performance. But in this, yeah, with the gift shop at the end and just the way, like the, the, what that actually said, the curator's notes or whatever, Mm. the descriptions just made it seem so banal. What, yeah, what, I mean, what I'm saying, but all that stuff you were saying, Andre, you, we, you, when we get that is when we listen to that album. I mean, that's the thing that's like the best thing about music is that you put that record on and you can experience that over and over again. And it's your ear listening to it. Yeah. And it's your relationship with with that music. And... And so that's there's a, no that's there's incredible. no suit that you're you can show like that's that's I all I can't wear that suit thing. that suit is too skinny for me I can't do right. it. No, but, <laughs> but I can all, listen to that album right but those are all things that like are kind of cool and enhance cocaine. it yeah <laughs> yeah those are all those are things that are cool and they enhance it if you're a fan or you're interested in knowing more about it but when it comes down to like what I would say the actual art it's either the performance where we can at least see you know him on Saturday Night Live with Klaus Nomi but again that's you know as you were pointing out that's something that's available on YouTube. So, because we really can't see him in concert, and I mean that's the whole. Because even if you go see him now in concert, it's not like it's not David Bowie not in nineteen seventy three. Yeah, yeah it's not the Diamond Dogs tour. And that's why I think Nina, I when Nina and I were talking about earlier that experience of watching him sing Starman, and mm-hmm. like that was yeah. a successful art object to me. And mm-hmm. it wasn't about like a suit he was wearing. It wasn't like mm-hmm. here's his writing crop from Labyrinth. It was like right. here's <laughs> this performance. You have the headphones on. The technology's working. This is a fucking jam. Enjoy yeah. it. But I look, the actual piece of music, when all you're doing is sitting there listening to the music, say in your living room or in your dorm room, or, or you know, like when, when I was a 15 year old and I would take my shitty CVS boom box with my copy of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars and go out to the the uh, the basketball hoop that was in the uh, parking lot of the local really. Uh, swimming pool and I would you know I would shoot hoops and uh, listen to star uh, this is adorable Ziggy Stardust (laughs) on a loop and you know the there was an infinite number of 
connections and references, and there was a huge, unending, limitless world of possibility in that music where it was a reference, like this music was recorded by an extremely important and cool and uh, a fundamentally uh, experimental adventurous artist who was, you know, he knew Andy Warhol, he knew Dave... Uh, uh, he knew David Bowie! <laughs> he, he knew Bob Dylan, you know, he was uh, going to Germany, and he was going to England, and he was in L.A., and he was on Soul Train. It's he exotic. Was a, he's a yeah. key, he's a skeleton key to all of the avant-garde mm-hmm. art of the 70s and 80s. Oh, and, well, about maybe. <laughs> a little and bit. all of that is missing from the show. Mm-hmm. All the stuff where you can see in, uh, for example, in Ashes to Ashes that he's making direct visual references to the work of Kenneth Anger, that's not in the show. Yeah. Well, no, but the, the things that they did do, they I agree with you, but sort of, because they represented his work with the avant-garde. They just revealed it as a, they commodified the avant-garde as they did David Bowie in the exhibit. So but it was in like- In a really limited look, and minor way. They yeah, just showed like, how avant-garde was just celebrity. They're like, look at how he worked with all these celebrities. Meanwhile, these celebrities yeah. are also incredibly influential, consciousness-raising artists. Yeah. All that we learned from uh, his connection with Burroughs is that he used to cut up his lyrics and rearrange them. Burroughs did other things too, you know. Like maybe part of the reason that Bowie is so fascinated with gay sex has something to do with his relationship with Burroughs. Is that how much of that Despite is? Despite never show? having it, yeah. Well, we don't know. No, I think we he don't did know. It's Mick true. Jagger. We don't know. There was that whole well, there, story. there's a, that's rumors, but who knows? I mean, the, but they were in bed together, and they're like, we're there's maybe a, they crazy were snuggling. Not to. There's an incredible queer sexuality <laughs> aspect right. to the legacy of David Bowie, which is missing yeah. from the show, along with a mm-hmm. bunch of other stuff, yeah. because the show is, it's the. It's the greatest hits VH1 version of the history of David Bowie. And well, I but if it, it was, though, then it would have been in a better timeline. But I thought they mentioned that he played around with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I we talked about the article. I ask the a question about that, right. actually. Um, I, I actually want to know kind of what the reception was to his kind of gender-bending queer thing, because I'm wondering, I mean, that was at a time when there wasn't, really gay culture in the same way because it was like illegal to be gay in a lot of places there was tons the of gay United culture States. it was just well, not yeah, but I'm there saying, was not mass gay culture right there was not it like a vis- the visual culture um i mean this is sort of the foundation of it in a lot of ways but um no he was reacting to existing gay culture that was the the thing but that he, he brought was, it mainstream right community. that's what i'm saying yeah yeah well, the point is, what I'm saying is I feel like for an artist to do that now, it has to be more, like, overtly political. Like, mm. like I mean, I guess I'm Lady Gaga is the only example I can think of right now, but kind of being like, oh, I'm going to write an anthem about being yourself and being gay and kind of being, like, a gay icon. And I guess, is it possible to to be in the way that Bowie was just by being that way? Or do you have to make it an overt political sort of trans statement now? Well, queer sexuality for David Bowie was a symbol for the aberrant? Aberrant? How do you pronounce that word? Aberrant is how I should say. For the aberrant in the same way that, um, you know, kimonos were. They're like, you know, they're... uh, It's just one more other. They're others that are then being wielded towards this message that... Uh, you shouldn't be mainstream. You shouldn't uh, listen to the man. You should mm-hmm. uh, explore what life has to offer, via, whether it be sexually or gender or whatever. Which is why ultimately this story is a tragedy because the last room, we see him now being behind the curve. 
Mm-hmm. Like, because I, I saw that, and like, it's in the 90s, I was really, I mean, right. I, that last imi- room. imitating has by, Trent Reznor. It has by far the yeah. worst costumes. And there's one costume that looks like it's just a black t-shirt with a, a flannel shirt tied around the waist. Yeah. Well, that, if the part that you read about was that was him, because he had made some comment that he would never right. perform in jeans and a t-shirt. So, right. That so they the made way. that form. Right. No, I was thinking of the room that has the Tony Orsler, who's also like one of the worst artists of all time. And that's hey. why it's also. Oh, I'm sorry, Tony Orsler. Who's Tony Orsler? I, I He's don't the know guy that about. like takes dolls and projects faces on them. Oh, oh I, I did hate that, that guy. Okay, okay yeah. Oh, Tony Orsler has done some cool stuff. That okay, guy, but no, but I in the <laughs> prior to this, he was hanging out with Andy Warhol, and then now he's hanging out with the like doll guy, and he's also doing these videos that are sort of. Instead of, okay, so it's also interesting to t- 20 years later look at videos from the 90s and be like, oh, woof, that's so 90s. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was like he was doing things that other people were doing in the 90s. Well, yeah, because I looked at, had there was the one, one, the one video that really stuck out. I can't remember what the name of it was because it's like off a forgettable album from the 90s. And it, I literally thought it was like a commercial for MTV's like 120 minutes or something, but it was actually a full video. And then I was like, God, this looks like a tame version of uh, Nine Inch Nails video for Closer. Yeah, that's what I thought. And too. then I looked and it was a full year later. And I was like, oh, man, that's you like it's. Are you talking about the one from One Outside? Yes. Where, that was the one where the costume is the black T-shirt and the shirt wrapped around the Oh, waist. yeah. And yeah. he looks so awkwardly oh, okay. old in it, too. Like, dressed yeah. like a teenager, but... Yeah, like, like it's, yeah, like he's like... That the, room the, is a total bummer. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Like he's like that dad or whatever that's like, I'm that's still cool, dad. right? I wrote Dad Bowie. I wrote it in my notes. <laughs> Which, like, is not... What? And he's doing that bit. Do you remember the video where it's for Little Wonder and he's, yeah. like, moving his arms around and he's... Yeah, he's, and like, I thought that was so cool at the time and I watched it today and I was just like... I like that song. And then I wrote down next to that, I I wrote, time may change him, but he can't trace time. (laughs) (laughs) See, and you know, I guess maybe being being an old lady in this room, this this (laughs) strikes me different because I'm like... How does it, yeah. Okay, some of this stuff is going to be pretty lowbrow, but... Part of me was like, wow, he's aged pretty nicely. He's still yeah. a handsome dude. No, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's yeah. totally, totally, and, uh, totally a handsome guy. I was like, yeah, when I first saw him when I was little, I thought he was kind of hot, too. And yeah. Yeah, got me interested in his music. But, okay. That's Dad Bowie really... was super hot to me still. Right, right. Saying, yeah. In fact, so even I, hotter in some ways. I thought about that. And then I also thought about how my brother was getting me into listening I'm Afraid of Americans and Little mm-hmm. Wonder and I'm like oh yeah I forgot about those songs I should listen to those again like I didn't think oh that's gross 90s music I no I like, more like I like that album and I also like the Alexander McQueen stuff and the I need Union Jack to you listen know, to more can I take this opportunity to hate on I'm Afraid of Americans though because I really hate no. this thing that British people British artists do Could be, where they but talk like about it. how much America sucks and how Britain is so much better and I'm just like fucking but Tony Blair was as, was as involved as us he like, was living in this. New York at the time yeah no he had, he had <laughs> okay, been whatever. In, yeah. in the US since like 1974 I just hate it because it's like England like I just wouldn't be like, they like invented us, yeah. you know, like they yeah. don't get to like sit back and be like, oh, America's so like. Oh, but I love that song and, and it's a good did song. with Trent Reznor and then. The, I thought the, it was disingenuous for but, them to depict that period without depicting the way that people in music talked down to him in the late 90s. Oh, yeah. Like when they would uh, introduce the music, like when Carson Daly introduced the music video, I think it was Carson Daly from my memory for I'm Afraid of Americans. And then afterwards, you know, he's talking with the people in the studio audience about the video. And he's like, I think he's saying suck on a quirk. 
there. Yeah, yeah he's, he's he's not uh, you know he's not pushing it too far. You know he's totally like being a, a snotty little teenage asshole. Carson yeah. Daly is not allowed to be snotty about David Bowie. That's fucked up. I'm not okay with that. But it was '90s yeah. Bowie. St- yeah, yeah, but, but you, still, yeah, but Carson you... Daly's not allowed to say shit like that. Come on. Yeah, Carson and that Daly. was a good video, and that was a good song. It's a catchy. It's I'm just better than you know when fucking Love Hewitt rolled into the studio and he started trying to have her baby <laughs> on the broadcast. <laughs> Well, this is the problem. This is the problem with trying to do a chronological uh, approach to his music because his music did, you know, it it followed the ups and downs of the music business. And so when the music business turned into this thing that was completely uninterested in theatricality Mm -hmm. and, you know, costumes and stuff and, you know, and it was just people wearing blue jeans on stage, he was completely out of place and he had nothing to do and all of his work sucked. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But that was also really productive. I mean, that's like when, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, maybe it did lose. I mean, well, maybe I mean, no, not everyone's gonna. You, it's like end, but. really, but also if you look at most musicians and most important bands' careers, they have two or three good albums, and then there's like a bunch of stinkers, and they either break up or they overdose or. You know, they go solo and turn into like Eric Clapton or something. Right, but when you're curating an exhibit for a museum, do you show the artists every single work that they've ever done, including like decades of of producing terrible things? Yeah, but I I think it's pretty subjective to say that it's terrible because uh, what about Earthling? It's it's subjective to say that one outside or the black tie white noise is terrible. I mean, come on. Yeah, they didn't need to put that in there. They just had Earthling, and then that because that's also when he had the best suits again. Oh, those suits were were pretty dope. And and he's working with McQueen, and that's like Mm -hmm. a very valid inclusion. We don't need to see Floria Sigmondi's horn suit. It's sort of because she's you know. You can't see me. I'm making a very tiny space between my two fingers, saying like the amount of time she mattered. Mm. Which again, she, she she he he saw her whacked out videos that she did for Marilyn Manson, which was him just trying mm-hmm. to be you know the family right. guy. To well, oh, wait, that was a really complicated I, analogy. Never mind. I don't. Um, I don't know Sorry. how much David Bowie was involved with the curation and creation of this project, which I imagine was quite a lot since it all came yeah. from his personal archive, right. and so he might not be the person to admit that he right. sucked in the 90s, if that's what we're going to say that he did. I don't have enough information well, on that to make an opinion about he that. He wasn't... But, you know, I, I think, especially since in some ways he's trying to promote his new album yeah. as maybe a comeback, and he wants to be like, I didn't don't disappear. Yeah, well, probably he would I think it's more like that. a swan song. Hmm. No, I mean... Well, no, because I've heard that he's, like, ill and, and not oh, at all no. in the public and stuff. We, but can, we don't know if that's true, though, so don't say that. It's just a rumor. When he was <laughs> when rumor. he was working with Reznor in the 90s, I think that was the, a good the reason he was working with Reznor is because Reznor, like Bowie, was also interested in experimenting with mm. queer sexuality and gender bending <laughs> to an extent in his work. And I think, I don't know how that relationship, like, began, if, like, Reznor was like, hey, hey, Bowie, and he was like, hey, Rez, and they, like, hung out. Or... But I, I think I like to imagine in my brain. Like song about fucking animals what, what, is quite fantastic. <laughs> what could what could happen? Like what could have happened if that relationship had been like taken farther? I think they could have. Done if some only they shit. hadn't both died. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, wouldn't it also be two intelligent, creative guys getting together? I mean, yeah. yeah. To me, Trent Reznor seems similar in that. Totally. Well, they he's came out with a great mind, album, which he's was mindful, the soundtrack to well, Lost Highway. I'm okay, sorry. he's no, it's all right. He's mindful about his music. He's like wants to learn as much as he can about 
all sorts of stuff. Also a total uh, handsome dad. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. True. Babes. Two hot dads making an album. There you go. Reality show. (laughs) (gasps) I I was seriously put off by the... uh, the gift shop at the end. Yeah, but, that but, was like a startling. Oh. It wasn't. Why I mean, was it, it wasn't just a gift shop because I mean every big show that right. a museum does, Has like you go shop. to, you know, there's going to be, oh here, look at all these uh, tapestries from Persia, and you go and you look, oh hey, and then you go to the, the here's an actual Persian you can buy. Right. It's but, but this thing, <laughs> oh my God, there was there were so many things. That, well, and the MCA never does that. They only have the one gift shop, so it's not like the Art Institute where it's like, it's all in one wing. Like it was, I've never seen them do that before. And it was stuff that An they were shop. they were selling stuff that was just kind of like stuff that David Bowie had done. Like they yeah. were selling stuff that had to do with the moon because he had went to the moon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So not stuff. David David Bowie went to the moon. Well, is it? <laughs> well, Major Tom did. Is it right. because? Well, I guess what I'm thinking about is what I what I read nowadays is mm-hmm. that in the music biz, that's where they make their money now. Right. Is selling the T-shirts and junk, which is sad. Yeah. But it's 25 bucks a head. They're still making money from I'm that just, shit. I, I don't know. Is that how art makes its money is by? Yeah, actually, surprisingly. Selling. Well, not stuff. It's about the admission. Oh, okay. But well, does, doesn't it destroy the experience of the work? I mean, if you if you get hmm. to the end and it turned out that it was all just a pitch for a oh. store... Well, this did like, open when that when that the next day was released. Like they were coincided. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I know it's like strange to say this because I think I did like the show, but I didn't um, think of it necessarily so seriously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I kind of thought of it as an entertaining thing to do, which is why I do think that the Museum of Contemporary Art was sort of a strange venue because I go there to think you know, really seriously about things. But I was like, this is cool. I listened to a lot of good music. I mm-hmm. maybe learned a couple things about David Bowie because right. I didn't really know very much before. And look, mm-hmm. now I get to look at shiny things in the gift shop that I won't buy. And so I yeah. I just feel like Those the prices. show didn't have a lot of integrity <laughs> to begin with, maybe. So I don't feel like it was ruined by having a shop. Did you, yeah. you guys didn't, uh, I feel weird about this. Maybe this is just like my academic bias, but I was like super geeking out about the handwriting. I fucking, I was like, oh, look, look at that G. He dotted <laughs> yeah. his eyes with circles like I did. When I, I know. Like, I, wow. I love, I know. I felt, I that, yeah. I, it's fucked up that I feel this way. No, but I, I felt really connected to him. <laughs> I think that's cool and that's a ex- good experience to have, but I never have that experience. And I guess the, the gift shop thing didn't bother me either because I'm like, there's no art in here. Like, to, like I keep saying, like the art to me is the music, the music and it's the albums and it's. Uh, even when in and it's not even it's the performances we didn't get to see because we weren't at the tour, but it is the videos or the films or him performing Life on Mars as a film or the boys keep swinging video like, oh, my God, oh, that, that song so is good. so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, exactly. So that's the part that's like, fuck, yeah, that's why I thought it should have been you know a documentary. Re- so you yeah. could sit there mm-hmm. and listen to the music and watch the videos and have that. That is the art. Like, I, but I totally there's, agree. there's two giant rooms right at the beginning that give you this understanding that he had a background in theater and that mm-hmm. he studied yeah. mime. And, I had and no that he loved, idea he was such a mime. And that he loved that Anthony Newley so and cabaret video. singers and that he was mm-hmm. all about putting on a stage show yeah. and that every decision that he made was from the p- position of being a musical theater geek mm-hmm. and, a, yeah. and, a, and a theater nerd and 
that he what he really loved was putting on a big show. And here's this guy. He's a theater artist. How do you present his work? By putting a bunch of things in glass cases with very little uh, historical live. background. Yeah. And, yeah. The, you know, you're just uh, admiring the objectness of the beautiful things that he used as shitty once in a while props for putting yeah. on a live performance. They're right. props. Which is yeah. why I think Nina's totally right. Although I'm not sure if it 100% should have been a movie or maybe a stage show. I don't know yeah. because it is sort of a bummer. And it's, it doesn't surprise me because or it is the MCA. Yeah, yeah, because it is the MCA and they are an art museum and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, it's vis- they're, they're going to emphasize the visual. They're going to do mm-hmm. the, sa- the sound mediocre mediocrely they're gonna be because that's what well, museums they, they, do no you know? but this was okay i can i can give you some more background information so this this is like a technology sennheiser's developed for this show really and i didn't know that that's why no. it's underwritten by them because they're, they're like, fine people at sennheiser they're fine. <laughs> sennheiser microphones wow What's in that dynamic range? Uh, once Sennheiser, again, dynamic range. Once again, that was on an MXL mic. <laughs> that's why it sounds like shit. Too MXL. Many cooks. Uh, 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 that's why it's. Uh, uh, uh. Um, but so Sennheiser sort of like built the technology for this show, which was all about you know these proximity sensors that would trigger different audio. Okay. Um. So it was sort of. So that's where it does get a little bit like, I'm in a commercial for this. And I'm like, now what am I, where am I going to see this applied to next? Because this is clearly their like new thing. They're rolling this technology out. So now are we, how is this going to be involved in the 2016 presidential campaign? But, uh, I've got a million ideas for how you could commercialize that work. But yeah. like you could take that technology and put it in your phone so that when you're listening to like a podcast or your uh, like Spotify or whatever, and you walk by a store, the store gets to play an ad in your ears. Oh, oh God. thanks. Thanks for that idea. You know, what I think, <laughs> you know what I think I do like about just the idea behind the whole thing is I liked the primacy of sound. I liked yeah. that the sound mm-hmm. guided you first. It yeah. was the thing you heard first. Mm-hmm. And this is why maybe, well, there are, I actually think that Andre, you would have hated it even if, if you did have this. I, I purposefully didn't put the things on my ears because I didn't want to have these songs that I've been loving my entire life ruined uh, by, ruined the, by yeah. a mediocre uh, presentation yeah. gallery exhibition mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with who his who he is or what his work is. But I, Yes, and I understand why you did that, but I love that idea. I just don't think that's fair. I just, I just think you're just making these blanket statements, and it's like that's you know, some of it is your opinion, and some of it is just kind of a little bit glib. I'm nearly 100 percent certain that all of this is my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess I could see what you're saying because if it, for me, if it were another band or another musician that I knew lots about, had had all these experiences with, maybe went and saw them live, and then I saw this, it would... It's less know. information but than I, you would get from just being a fan. It would dampen mm. yeah, my picture. I don't know. I don't know. I just think that music well, is wait, not moment. necessarily supposed to be like a, an overwhelming audio experience. I think it's mm. supposed to remind you, I mean, mm-hmm. and whether or not you're familiar with David Bowie, it depends on the depth of your experience of that but I think you're just supposed to hear it and be like oh I'm reminded of the time I heard that song Mm -hmm. and how it applies to the visual things that I'm looking at now I don't think it's supposed to be like oh I'm yeah well I I felt I felt like it didn't I well I'm glad I'm a David Bowie fan because I feel better and I've been enriched by the music but I (laughs) I was also like 
wow, what would I do if I didn't already know about David Bowie? Because I felt like this would have been very difficult for someone that's not a fan that doesn't know the history. And I, I don't hmm. even know that much history about him, but I actually, most of the history I know about him is from a fine VH1 documentary from the nineties when Earthling <laughs> came out. But, um, I just but feel I wonder like you're describing you... me. Cause I just, I mean, I know some David Bowie songs, but I don't really know that much about David Bowie. But I also know, I know some Velvet of the gold mine is a better version of this than this was. Hmm. Mm. The film Gavella Goldmine. Well, the thing the thing that's really good about Velvet Goldmine is that it's not necessarily the the nostalgia machine that is ne- that is uh, mm-hmm. this exhibit because it's mm-hmm. not it's not telling you to go out and buy stuff necessarily in the way that this is, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yes, I, so I agree. Mm-hmm. By turning the the David Bowie story from a pitch for a, a gift shop into a version of the story of Charles Foster Kane, which you know is to say that. We're telling the story of somebody who had lofty ambitions and wanted to do good in the world and then eventually got old and deteriorated and ended up being part of the problem that they were trying to fix in the first place. Uh, But that's the the story of Velvet Goldmine. That's what happens in the film. And it's the story of David Bowie. I don't think it's a... He's a problem now? I don't think I agree with that necessarily. bring it up with Todd Haynes. I I don't think... I don't think David Bowie's the problem now. I just feel like he's not... well, he's, he can't think he's not Bowie avant-garde is. anymore. Oh, oh God. Jeez. That was so dumb. Can we, do we agree that framing... I did that for the groans, actually. Do we agree that that framing device was dumb, that David Bowie is David yeah. Bowie? No, like I don't ever. agree that it was dumb. Because I, mm-hmm. I said, as I walked through oh, yeah. it, I saw it more and more. David Bowie is Ziggy Stardust. Z- Ziggy Stardust is David Bowie. And it made me David think about... David Jones is David Bowie. It made me think about your description of what it means to sound like someone. Mm. and that David Bowie is not like any of these people. He's not like Ziggy Stardust. David Bowie is those things. And so I thought that that framed it very well. Yeah. Well, was MC... uh, It's totally maybe changing the subject, but... No, go for it. Was MCA's part of the reason they put... Did this show or brought the show here was to try to get people in that don't normally go there? I think that would be 100% uh, Yeah, I would buy buy that. Because it's... The MCA, they're trying to... Make I think they might be trying to make a connection between contemporary art as a world or mm-hmm. as a field of inquiry mm-hmm. or interest and the coolness of David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you like David Bowie? You know what David Bowie likes? Con- art. Yeah. 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 Oh, he is that a big is collector. Totally true. Yeah. Oh, his um, paint. Okay, I'm sorry. His paintings were really bad. I like <laughs> some of them. I like that they had a sense of humor about them. I they have I have a so- good story about one of them. Oh, oh please. Okay. Ooh. So the. Ooh. So the. I did find it really sad that they had this like tucked away on the side, this German expressionist woodcut. And then they're like, oh, it kind of looks like Klaus Nomi. And then I was like, fuck you. Like you keep talking about how important German expressionism is. And you're like, we'll stick it on the side. Like, no, German expressionism rules. German expressionism (laughs) is the fucking jam. And Uh, I agree that they, it was an Eric, it was an Eric Heckel print that they were, then they were like, oh, they, the, Eric. they underplayed all the theatrical eh, stuff boo. that they were like, oh, that's a, the, the, as I'm, I'm, I, uh, it reads note, like note, an undergrad paper on Bowie. Yeah. A note, yeah. a note that's to the viewer. I'm making the, the pose of the cover of heroes, which they were saying, oh, that this, and then the idiot by Iggy pop when they were hanging out in Berlin, that's like, they were okay. sort of mass mimicking the contortions of the figuration that Eric Heckel uses in, uh, in his printmaking. Um, mm. And so you see the paintings are kind of, I didn't, I like 
uh, I don't know. I mean, the paintings, like, they look like paintings I made when I was related to German Expressionism, so <laughs> I, therefore I would like that. Well, he said, he said, um, you know, I needed to paint, and painting helped me get yeah. back into songwriting, and I was like, good, because you're way better at songwriting than painting. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, I one... think it is good. I mean, I really do think that you can't deny yourself any kind of those yeah. creative urges, because it might lead to you being creative in a much more monumental way than the actual yeah. urge. So I saw so the story though there's the okay. one there's the one oh. portrait of Iggy Pop and he's blue. Zabadi mm-hmm. blue. What? Zabadi Zabadi. Oh yes. <laughs> he wrote that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this, this is why blue, we're not watching uh Iggy Pop is at the yeah. MCA yeah. or or Eiffel 65 is. That <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> that's that's a great idea for a show. <laughs> It's just one room, and it's entirely blue, and there's Derek Jarman's blue playing. Oh, yeah. Oh, and Smilla's f- sense of snow. I'm, I'm liking this more every time we talk about it. Um, so he was on Charlie Rose. One of the first times I saw Charlie Rose, like, watching TV late on a Friday when you're like, whoa, is there, like, the TV's gone in this other nether dimension where it's just black space, and there's this, like, table with a spotlight and two people talking in the middle of the night. And so David Bowie was talking to Charlie Rose oh, okay. and they were showing a bunch of his paintings. I don't know. Maybe he was like in New York and having a show of his paintings or something. And he's like, you see this one right here? I, I, I can't when I'm on the podcast, I can't do my good shitty David Bowie. This I'm doing it now. And it's like coming out like do your shitty, Paul McCartney as shitty, David Bowie. <laughs> shitty John Lennon. <laughs> Do John, yeah. Well, I always imagine myself doing a shitty John Lennon liver puddly and not sounds, a shitty Paul McCartney. It sounds closer to Paul McCartney. Oh, okay. <laughs> performancing <laughs> um he's like yeah this blue one you know like uh so again this this is david bowie doing <laughs> paul yeah, mccartney <laughs> yeah this uh this blue portrait that's like that's accurate that's like he really looked like that because you know he od'd on heroin in berlin and he was like blue and so I thought I would do like a blue painting of him. Oh, that was a terrible accent. But so that's, that's what, the story. That's so. That's I mean, what Bowie said so about Bowie the Bowie said that that painting Ooh. that was of Iggy it's Pop dark. was like they were like ODing and shit in Berlin. So I guess they they got off cocaine by doing by heroin. Oh. Wait, is Iggy Pop dead? Did I? Oh, no, no, Iggy Pop's no. alive. You can, OD, <laughs> you can he, overdose and not oh, die. Oh, okay. So I was like, what? There's all kinds of really important, like when. When people who in the past have written or talked about David Bowie, the things that they talk about are his first marriage to his uh, wife, Angie Bowie, who, you know, that marriage went really poorly. Hmm. The way that he uh, was absent from raising his uh, son, Zoe Bowie, Zoe Bowie, who later became the <laughs> film director, Duncan Jones, Duncan Jones of uh, Moon hmm. and uh I don't know, whatever else that guy's working on. Yet again, the moon comes up. And, you know, Yet again. drug addiction and uh, queer sexuality and, you know, all this, like, countercultural underground stuff. They and, did They and, did talk about the sexuality, though. I mean, to be fair, that was covered. I mean, maybe not in depth, but it, it was at least. Noted multiple It was times. noted. And, yeah, it wasn't, like, ignored but, or brushed But they don't the talk about the, the larger connections of it. The right. fact that it was based on. The, the response to this long history or yeah. that it was, uh, you know, the inspiration for all of these other queer artists and, you know, like, the relationship right. with Maplethorpe or the relationship mm-hmm. with or all... Even, well, at least they brought up Klaus Nomi, though, but again, he's like a footnote. Barely. And they, and there they, was a Lee Bowery book in the gift shop. 
Yeah, see, it's oh, all so it's yeah. kind of related. Like they they <laughs> mention it enough to say that they mentioned it, right. but not enough to indicate an actual importance that, that it had in his career. But I don't think there was anything in this show that was really that in depth beyond just mentioning. To it. Be well, fair, yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you're going to take the entire yeah. top floor of the MCA and you're going to charge people twenty five bucks, and you're not going to get any kind of additional information that you wouldn't get from just like a really good article in Rolling Stone. Yeah. You know what I find really compelling is that this is an exhibit about David Bowie who was like known like gay and queer icon, right? And there were still plenty and there were still more pictures of like naked ladies than there were like any rep- any visual mm-hmm. representations of queer sexuality. Was there any naked ladies? There was just the no, one. I don't remember seeing I any see, naked I ladies. I saw some naked ladies. It there was, was actually one. pretty There was actually kind of one there was like one Chelsea naked girl's statue. Oh, was just taking man. photographs of people in the ladies room. Yeah, that's that, <laughs> well, that okay, was the, part of the exhibit. <laughs> well, the ch- No, but actually that's a good point because it's not it's not very sexual either way yeah it's like a very it's it's like androgynous yes, yet but still if they are gonna air it still has to be white but there wasn't like ladies. one nipple in that show like there's the it's moment in ziggy stardust and spiders from mars the uh the concert film that was made by d.a penny baker where uh he's uh singing a song he's singing uh my death and at the end uh he's supposed to say uh you Right. To indicate to the person that he's singing the song to, because the song is a Jacques Brel song. And, you know, they don't mention hardly any of the way in which his work is influenced by uh, French pop music from the 60s. Mm-hmm. And well, they he, said he smoked the same cigarettes as Serge Gainsbourg. Right. He, he smokes guitar. He can't board. be a man if he doesn't Gitan. smoke the same cigarettes as him. But there's all of this sex in the show. Right. Like it's about how sexy he is. That's what the show is. And when he sings that song, he gets to the end and he can't even finish it because he's about to say you and everybody in the audience individually is screaming out me, me, me. (laughs) Right. Because every single person in that room wanted to fuck him. Wait, but I don't think you're saying this show is about sex or I'm saying his. Oh, his. his, Like he spent more than a decade making art about how much people wanted to have sex with him. And that doesn't (laughs) come across in the show. In the show that we saw. There. Yeah, I would say it is yeah. pretty, it's not just androgynous, it's like uh, sterilized, what would you call that? Yeah. Well, when today neutered. was- Neutered. Neutered, there you go. Well, I'm today is the... uh, family day at the MCA, so maybe yeah. that cast well, oh, That's my other problem. I, what, they I took s- down all the cod pieces from Labyrinth? <laughs> yeah. I don't, but is it because that now that doesn't even seem that big of a deal in today's culture, or or you really think that- I guess well, none of it seems like a big deal anymore because all of it has been so commodified that there's nothing new or interesting left in anything that they showed. I I could be Uh, I could live a fine life and never hear Space Oddity ever again. (gasps) I'm serious because it's my God, you've got. I I never want to get to that place in my life. That's why I didn't listen to the music. I've already gotten to that point and it fucking sucks. No, okay, I need to talk about Space Oddity. Okay, because that's a really big deal for me. Okay. Because my favorite David Bowie-related thing is Chris Hadfield's recording of Space Oddity in, on the International Space Station. The Canadian astronaut? Yes. Nice. I am a big fan of Chris Hadfield. I read his book. and <laughs> This is not the guy from Metallica. No. That's James <laughs> Hetfield. Yeah. We're talking about Which these. I also learned about on VH1, but never actually bought any of their records. Yeah, VH1, is that, is that the new curatorial practice for the MCA? Is just look VH1. at old episodes of Behind the Music and just put it on the wall? I mean, this is the only show that they've Ozzy done like Osborne. this, so I think it might be a little soon to say that. Well, I mean, um, that's, I'm kind of worried. If it makes a billion dollars for them, I imagine. Well, I'm worried that, about, yeah, what this we're, indicates. What we're about not that? far, well, we're not far from show. Iggy Pop is. Well, anyway. anyway, anyway. Your story. Okay, so... 
I'm going to be honest with you guys to and say that I can almost not watch that video without crying. Of him in space? Yeah. But it's not so... actual the guy in space. Sorry. The guy in space. Yeah, it's so powerful <laughs> to me. I mean, I'm a notoriously sensitive person and I've been known to cry at videos of like videos of the earth <laughs> just from space. It's a, it's just so <laughs> Erica's just like laughing at me. I'm sorry. It's just a funny image to me. It's just like the world is so it's a tiny blue marble and it's just floating through space and we're all so small and, and insignificant and so beautiful. Do. Right. But just I mean, first of all, Chris Hadfield changed the words of space oddity so that the astronaut doesn't die at the end. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I think I would probably do that. That's too. hilarious. I'll give him a pass on that. I yeah. mean, if you're actually in space hurtling through yeah. a tin yeah. can, then, yeah. you know, you, yeah. yeah. Um, but let's, what's let's so be beautiful. a little bit optimistic about getting back to Earth alive. Yeah. Yeah. Flying machines. What is it? What if they rewrite the yeah. on The Simpsons when, when the, they have James Taylor and he's like, flying machines lying in pieces on the ground. And he's like, uh, flying safely through the sky. <laughs> Um, but I, what's so beautiful to me about that song is not just about being in space. And I think the reason that David Bowie wrote it was because, you know, it's 1969 and the first man had walked on the moon, but, um, but instead, no, he wrote it before that. I, I believe in the UK, you. they were playing it on the BBC while oh, really? they were showing the footage oh my of God, the, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's what they had in the exhibit. Table. But he, oh, that is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Look, it's but, a beautiful um, song. I just well, think no. It's what been I'm neutered. saying is, well, no. What's so beautiful about it from being from space is because he changes the lyrics enough that it's about a man who's in space who doesn't, who has to go back to Earth, like he which is want the, to kind of the opposite of what the song is in real life. Because when you're an astronaut, you don't spend any time. You spend maybe one day in space out of seven years and the rest mm-hmm. of the time you spend in a pool in a spacesuit, or you spend like memorizing Russian vocab words because our space program is in Russia and um, I don't know if you know that but the only place you can leave Earth to go to space is in Russia so they have to like learn Russian so you're like dostanania ta- comrade exactly I would like to go to space today right so pierogies it's Polish but there's no. definitely no Polish space program. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, they sent a rocket to the me. sun once at night. <laughs> oh. 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 No, but yeah, I just, it's it, it's really sad because, I mean, he's a really a lucky astronaut because he spent a couple of months in space, but and yeah. then he retired immediately after. And it's just, you see him in space saying, the skies look very, the stars look very different today. He's looking at them from space. And then you realize that he'll never be able to do that again because he can never return to space because he retired imminently upon re- returning home. Oh, but come on. They but just, they they just, they just killed some astronauts just the other day. Uh, the Virgin Galactic flight that blew up. Oh. You remember this? Oh, were those people? Yeah. I think that was unmanned. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. There was One of the flights uh, crashed and uh, one of the pilots died and the other one didn't. Oh, I didn't know. Why that. didn't they say that? They just said that it was like, oh, all this cargo was lost. Well, there were two crashes. Oh. There were two crashes in, I think, three days. One of them blew up in the air and the other one crashed to Earth. And uh, yeah, so, you know, we're getting there. There's gonna He's going to be able to just buy a ticket to the moon next time. But that's got a ticket to ride. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, because I've, I've been talking about Mars One, which is that mission to mars it's like a reality show mm-hmm. wait no. wait are you talking about that jared leto band no, no. it's literally it's no, going to be a reality let me <laughs> 30 30 seconds to mars but anyway 
I like that. Let me blow your I minds like right now and tell you yes. that there is a contest where yes, people apply is. to go to Mars to start a colony there and it's going to be televised like some kind of ridiculous hunger game is it like kid nation they never come back and they never come back to (laughs) earth and there's just something no uggos need apply but it's 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 kind of terrifying to think of but it's also not that uh out of place in the history of the world i mean think about for example the people who left uh europe you know, the people who left uh, Germany and Ireland who came to the New World and never went back. And we they didn't, didn't know what they were going to find. Yeah, but there's just yeah. all mm-hmm. these things that, that you'll like never be able travel. to feel the wind on your face or see, you know, the We didn't land on Mars. Mars landed animal. on us. <laughs> it just, I don't know which is sadder, though, in just thinking. I mean, and that's what that song brings up for me is like, mm-hmm. I don't know which is sadder, leaving Earth and never being able to come home or, or being in space show. and never having to co- and never being able to go back to space. Hmm. Well, eventually it won't be an issue anymore. I and mean, it's just, it's a, it's a thing. But not within our lifetimes, I don't well, think. But I, think, I don't know. I think I mean, I'm optimistic of, about it. I think it. the majority of us ne- will never experience space or time. I know. What I'm saying Earth is I don't want to go to home. space. I never want to go to space, you guys. I don't want okay. to go to Mars. We won't make it. too hot. It's too hot. <laughs> Get your ass to Mars. I'm thinking about Bowie some more. Yeah. <laughs> so, and maybe this is a downer too, but. No. Do we, is it safe to bet that his reason for allowing this show is because he wants people to be interested in his music some more oh amy what a downer what no, no that's, that's totally, totally true kidding. well i mean cause no i didn't that, think that was a downer at i mean because if that. that was his point for me that's kind of what happened i want to get some more of his music I yeah listen mm-hmm. to it some more yeah it's definitely effective advertising i think i'm probably going to listen to some david bowie today i mm-hmm. bet that the little girls that went to that show and got their face painted. There were little boys, too, getting their face painted. Oh, good. I'm glad, because that was the point, I think. (laughs) It's that David Bowie's like, no, little boys can have sapphire blue eyeshadow. I bet that some of them had an experience that will transform the rest of their entire lives, and that they are going to go on and maybe uh, design clothes or write music or become you know, photographers or do something that's extraordinary because they went into a room full of all the things David Bowie ever did and they saw so much extraordinary achievement, things that they had never even considered before, things that blew their little tiny minds and they'll remember those things for the rest of their lives and they're going to work to be that. Yeah. You know, the same as like, for example, a ton of people who work in uh, in space in like building rockets and building satellites and trying to figure out how to get us onto Mars, the reason that they got interested in that when they were a little kid, they watched Star Trek, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were there's some little kid that grew up in England who was watching man walk on the moon for the first time and was listening to David Bowie and, you know, their love for David Bowie and for, you know, the whole idea of space flight and for, you know, taking risks and being adventurous made the world a better place. So, yeah, I can see how there could be something extraordinary. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's a really big butt coming somewhere, and I don't know right. where. The, is the job of the curator of a museum to encourage people to become scientists? I mean, it's to encourage yeah. people to think whatever they can. I mean, art is not only about thinking about art. It 
can be about thinking about science. Sure. Can, yeah, that's so that's, maybe the thing is maybe the thing is for people to become scientists. Maybe it's for them to become artists. Maybe it's for them to become philosophers. You know, but. Yeah, but that's I the same that attitude that, that the Museum of Science and Industry had about science. And then they're like, suddenly they were no longer required to do uh, intellectually rigorous pre uh, presentations of science. And now it's just like fucking Disneyland. Yeah. And so this hmm. that's what this worries me about this show is like, oh, this wow. is such a huge fucking success. And they're like, we don't even... Well, contemporary art can be anything. So you know what we don't have to do mm. anymore? We don't, we don't have to show contemporary art. Because this is like supposedly the one place where you can get all this weird stuff and that that's right. why people are saying well, why wasn't David Bowie at the Field Museum or the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or like a place where people go for that experience and yes that expands the audience but like what's the point of having an audience that wants to see a rock and roll show if you're a museum that's supposed to show like really boring offensive standoffish like sheets in an empty gallery you know <laughs> like that's what i was like annoyed like i like i think it is cool to get kids excited and interested in education but it was like family like you said and i was just like kids do not belong in a contemporary art museum it should be filthy and offensive <laughs> and disgusting and because all of that stuff is necessary for that for the stuff that you're interacting with in a museum to have that impact on you as an adult yeah. For the little girls and little boys that went into that exhibit, it's possible that they had the kind of experience that you're supposed to have in a museum. I agree. But yeah. it's really unlikely that any thinking, educated, conscionable adult went into that experience and had anything other than the desire to either buy a T-shirt or go get lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. That seems that's really condescending to glib. people that didn't <laughs> like that. That's really condescending of you, I think, to say because there are people that like that exhibit and there are intelligent people who like that exhibit and they have reasons for it like amy like that exhibit like and she I bought mean, a t-shirt like, seriously <laughs> i liked the t-shirt it's yeah. a nice t-shirt i like the hamburgers we had well me too <laughs> i also realized how much influence he seems to have that maybe people know about or don't know about things that are influenced in pop culture today and i don't know sorry this totally went nowhere but no, no, there's no, a, that's to do the point there. There's an educational value to getting this information. It's just that they didn't do a good enough job. There was a yeah. lot more to it that they didn't get yeah. to. And they, they did like a, B, they got a, they a B plus. I mean, I think okay. it's a starting point. I don't yeah. think it has to be the end all be all because I think it is kind of. Is there a David Bowie point. is too? Well, no, there's a the David Bowie is catalog. There's the entire mm -hmm. music, the discography of David Bowie that you can go listen to. But I just I mean, I do think it's bringing it into yes, the consciousness. Yes, the discography of David Bowie does a better job of presenting him as an artist. That's what I keep saying. Right. But yeah. that's what I'm saying is that it's an entry point for people like me who, quite frankly, I don't really care very much about David Bowie. It kind of was a, a little bit of a. It did get you interested. Yeah. Are you going to go to your local library? <laughs> well, there's this aspect. Because it, even before I saw the show, I was like thinking about it, like well, maybe that's something I would want to see and maybe I should mm -hmm. learn more about David Bowie sure. before I see it so I could appreciate it more, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I do think it was kind of a hole in my music education for some reason. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't know very, I mean, I that's because I like classic rock a little bit more and that's, I mean, his music mm -hmm. is kind of, but. It's definitely classic yeah. rock. And you're but definitely I mean, going to hear uh what like changes on your ad yeah. adult classic rock station? I mean, that's right. the only song I had heard of his, though. Is what I'm saying. Right. Um, I what only kind really of classic knew the rock hits. station. Do you got? They they play some of Bowie's yeah. stuff now. Got they play Suffragette City. Some Fog Hat. Yeah. Got some Marshall Tucker <laughs> Band. <laughs> but it's Smoking I mean, in the boys' room. Ain't seen nothing yet. 
But I mean, I, what I'm saying is I'm admitting that it was definitely mm-hmm. like a, a, a dearth of knowledge on my part. It's a, it was a yeah. hole in my cultural education that I feel like I can begin to fill because it was brought to my attention that it was a hole in my cultural education. Whereas I might just be like, I don't know, I don't really know anything about him and not care or, or had a second thought about it. It gathered together a lot of stuff that hasn't necessarily, I mean, yeah, there's the internet, blah, 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 but it gathered together all his different, some of his different characters and his mm-hmm. music and his costumes and... And but, prompted the, the publishing of that catalog, which is really quite extensive as far as yeah. like an archive for um, really some incredible photographs of David Bowie and also his ephemera, like we said, his handwriting right. that Eleanor responded to so much and... And having that, I mean, it really is like a tome. It's a huge (laughs) book with that information, which I almost feel like makes the exhibition obsolete in some ways because you can Mm. just read the book. But I, you know. But it doesn't come with a CD. Right. Does it? it... No. No, it does not. Actually, that when we were talking about with the, it doesn't come with a CD. Yeah, I know. It would be nice. (laughs) Or like one of those like floppy acetate records that like, like oh <laughs> yeah like the square one you got you, with you your started Barbie. that with floppy ass and that, <laughs> it, was, it was funny even before you got to your point. <laughs> um, I was thinking that you know not 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 to burn on the fine folks at Sennheiser, the fine folks at Sennheiser who provided this microphone. Oh, Sounds so good you can taste it, Sennheiser. <laughs> that, um, that was on an MXL. MXL. <laughs> um, so uh, I was when I was when I was in the show, I was just like, "Oh man, what if they just had a really good mixtape of David Bowie songs to listen to?" Best of Bowie, perhaps that they offer at the gift shop. I know. Well, I know. Those no. aren't even the best songs. Well, there's some really good ones on. Some there is a shows. Best of Bowie album that's great. It's called Low. Oh, oh, so true. So wait, there, so there's three of us that Low is our favorite. Low is Bowie. that was my. I was thinking it has Art Decade, it has Warsaw. It's the best one because it has only songs that you can't use to sell things. Yes, yeah. well, I do. I do. But Station to Station has TCV one five. Whoa, whoa. Do we want to end the podcast by going around and talking about our favorite part of the ex- exhibit? Yeah. yeah. Should we give it a rating like? Buy it, burn it, trash it. How many? It. Bow- how many uh, <laughs> from from uh, blue jean to uh, I don't know, uh, station to station. Wait, what? What? That makes no sense. Like, is to it me. with blue jean being the worst? <laughs> I like is that an album. I like blue jean. I like that yeah. video they have. What are you talking about? What? Is it blue jean? Okay, well maybe we okay, need to talk so a little bit more about this. Okay, well, anyways, Eleanor, it never it... gets better and I better. Saw it too. Thank I you, I was like, oh, I like that video. I do know that song. I forgot about Blue that. Jean. Yeah. Wait, was Blue Jean? Is that the album cover that looked like uh, uh, the stained glass British dudes did at Gilbert mm-hmm. and George? Here, you guys talk it up. I'll go grab the album cover. No, 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 no. All right, all right. No, Eleanor, there, why don't you? Yeah, there oh, okay. was the so video. How many they were right so next to each other. It was yeah. like what was it? They he was he was dressed like an Arab boy. Let's and he had dance, his... and then Blue Jean was right next to it, right? Yeah, yeah. And for me, the two songs kept going back and forth. Yeah, yeah that was really neat. Fight with each other. Okay. But anyway, my my favorite part of the exhibit, I'll say, and then Eric will go next, was the synthesizer that was a gift from Brian Eno oh. to David Bowie, and he was like. Mess around with it all you want. It still always manages to make noises that you can't get any other way. And I was like, yeah, fucking technology is important. <laughs> and it's the future of music. It was just so perfect. And oh, just looking at that and oh, it was so good. That was my favorite part. Anyway, 
Eric, what Wait, was your fair point? I would think we should yeah. go the other way, oh. and then Eric can finish us off. Oh, okay. good, good call, Nina. Okay, Andre, what was your favorite? Uh, I really liked the little room where it had all of his ephemera from his uh, film career, and it had the the writing crop from Labyrinth with the crystal handle, and you and know the ball. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, you know, and then they were playing little clips from, and I I got to see the clip from uh, the Prestige. You know, where he's playing uh, Tesla, and you get to see just a couple of seconds of, hey, you know what they haven't mentioned yet in the show? He's a really talented actor. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I must have missed this room. I yeah. missed the Tesla clip. Yeah. He's a, he's a talented actor who had great taste in films, mm-hmm. though they conspicuously missed the Linguini incident. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it was my favorite because I didn't know that he actually collaborated with John Lennon. And that was kind of cool for me because I really like the Beatles. I did not know that the two of them wrote, what was it, Fame? fame. And fame, that he fame, sings on Fame. fame. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool for me. I'm having What's the trou- name? What's the name? <laughs> <laughs> All righty. I'm having trouble picking because there was a lot of stuff that I thought was good. And maybe that's what I I feel about this show is like it was a little bit surface and all the various critical things that we said. But there was a lot of parts of it that really made me laugh and think. Um, I liked I liked when they showed um, his mugshot <laughs> and they said he was he was arrested for marijuana possession for which he was later cleared. But they said that his expression in the mugshot had this look like a very cool collected look, but also that he was hiding some sort of depravity that no one could even imagine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was in the police report. (laughs) (laughs) Arrested for unknowable evil. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, Well, I really liked the, the miniature synthesizer that was like a toy almost. And you had to like stick a stylus in it. To play it, but I think my absolute favorite was that like crazy cartoony face on the cape that the Japanese designer made, because I just loved that image and the tongue hanging out and everything. It was going like, oh. <laughs> um. So thank you for joining us on I Don't Hate Ghosts. Um, Enjoy part the production of-, of I Don't Hate This and Noisy Ghost. And the Chubb Group. <laughs> and uh, part of the Kello Podcast Empire. Podcast Empire. Uh, plugs. You can. Oh, geez. So do we say both Noisy Ghost and. Yeah. You can follow I Don't Hate This on Twitter at I Don't Hate This. And, and you can co- follow Noisy Ghost at Noisy Ghost Pod on Twitter. And also that's also our uh, Tumblr handle. Our and Tumblr is I Don't Hate This Pod. I'd like to promote uh, an upcoming show at Dixon Place in New York City on November 21st at 10 p.m. Joe Renono's uh, Holiday Fruitcakes. No, uh, Joe Renono's Yuletide Log and Other Fruitcakes, which uh, uh, we're going to be turning into a movie. So come out to the show. You're going to enjoy yourself. It'll be a a hoot, I promise. Thank you. Goodbye from space. <laughs> do you have any Amy? Do you have any cat plugs or any? Oh, that it, you know me too well. I was like, oh my god, there weren't enough cats in that yeah. exhibit. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you. <laughs> 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 <laughs>